1: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Great episode today. It is with actor and comedian Chelsea London Lloyd, an awesome name. She's been in a ton of stuff and we have a really great chat with her. But before we get to the interview, we have some news about the podcast. As many of you know, Justina has appeared on the podcast a bunch, and she has affectionately been called girlfriend of the show, and she is no longer the girlfriend of the show. Um, the show has no girlfriend anymore, because Justina is... The fiance of the show. Oh, yeah. Bounce, 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 That's a uh, happy music that I was making up off the top of my head. Nevertheless, very excited. Jacina is no longer girlfriend of the show, or as Scott Ackerman would say, former girlfriend of the show, but. We're going to call her fiancé of the show from now on. Well, until we get married, uh, and then it'll be something else. But for the time being, fiancé of the show, very excited about it. No more girlfriend of the show. So you know what this means. We need a new girlfriend of the show. (laughs) A side piece of the show. No, we don't. We don't want that, okay? That was a joke. And we don't want that. Don't send any submissions in. Please. Please. I, this is not an improv bit where I say don't do something and I'm saying do it. I literally mean don't send any anything to be girlfriend or side piece of the show. That was a joke. That was a joke. And now I regret making it. But I'm very happy. Very happy about fiance of the show, Justina, who will make her return to the podcast soon, very soon. We are very excited and uh, very thankful to all of our friends and family for their love and support. Speaking of excited, very excited about today's guest, Chelsea London Lloyd. She is awesome. She's been in an episode of Barry, has appeared in uh, some Wayfair commercials with Kelly Clarkson that she absolutely crushed in. Uh, She's been on a bunch of other shows and films, and she does stand-up and character work and has done improv. We talk a lot about her character work and more. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Chelsea London Lloyd. I don't actually recall now how I came about seeing you you've done so much stuff
0: (laughs) I love (laughs) it yeah who
1: knows (laughs) yeah I mean I don't even know now but I picked up on you because you're an actor a comedian you do a lot of comedy online too and you're, you're doing a lot of great stuff you're great at character work
0: thank you I appreciate that
1: yeah you're doing a lot of really fun stuff on online and all over because you you've been in TV shows like Barry, which is pretty awesome, and you've you've done movies, you've done a lot of commercials, and I'm also assuming that you are still regularly performing live.
0: Yes, yes, indeed.
1: And you're doing stand up and improv and sketch. Like, what all are you doing live?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do everything, but stand up is like what I'm more focused on. Uh, yeah.
1: Word, word, cool. So where are you originally from? I know that you have a a BA in theater from the University of Southern California, but is that where you're from or are you from elsewhere?
0: I'm from Northern California next to San Francisco.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Are you a Warriors fan? Do you pay attention to basketball? Are you very upset right now? Nope.
0: Totally not, but (laughs) empathize for other people. What about you? Where are you from?
1: I'm currently in Brooklyn, New York, but I'm from South Carolina originally.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but for some reason, I'm a Warriors fan, and well, I'm that. very awesome. upset.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry to hear.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I, I It's not like I have money. Oh, I don't <laughs> It's not like I lost money in this or anything. Uh, So so you're from Northern California. When did you start getting into performing? And I assume you were acting before you went to college.
0: Uh, Yeah, I was doing like three musicals a year from the time I was maybe five. So I was always wow. performing. Theater and community theater in Northern California, summer camp, summer theater, and then did my theater degree at USC and then was able to start practicing professionally after that.
1: Awesome. And one of the things I notice about people who got started so young, who then go into comedy, is just how grounded and committed the choices are, and the acting feels real but it's still comedically sound. I, I I don't know if you've observed this, but there are a lot of comedians now who don't have an acting background. And so when they're in a movie or a show, it could be funny, but it doesn't I get I sometimes get taken out of it when it doesn't feel real. But when mm-hmm. it's someone with an acting background such as yours, I I'm very much in it. I'm invested. I I don't get taken out of it. I don't see the acting work. I don't see the choices. I just it just feels like I'm seeing a real person living life. Mm-hmm. Have you observed that yourself?
0: Um. Yeah. I think. Well. Hopefully, by the time someone booked a movie, they're right for the part and believable. But you know what? Yep. It could happen. Um. You know, I feel <laughs> acting and stand up or two different things and there's a lot right. of overlap but maybe like they're cousins so they can relate mm-hmm. but they're different so there's mm-hmm. definitely people with traditional acting training and people who just go straight into improv sketch stand up and maybe mm-hmm. they're bringing more humor than someone else might but hopefully you strike the balance I definitely have always pursued both so I think both are important but hey mm-hmm. sometimes a comedian might be the perfect person for the part sometimes not so much also yeah, and
1: some, yeah, you know, and sometimes when an actor, like a comedian who doesn't have much traditional acting training, uh, when they're in something, it's really the direction that can really make or break how that performance goes. And also the editing can make or break how real that performance can feel. But it's I, I can't name any famous people when I've seen them in acting in something where I'm like. Yeah, this is just, <laughs> I can't really see anything but this comedian. <laughs> so, you know, once you get to a certain level, you're probably just good at those things. When you were coming along and acting, what was your interest in, in comedy? Was that something you were al- are always interested in, or did that come about when you were a little older?
0: Yeah, I was always in comedic performances, so definitely was drawn to comedy first and just naturally... I'd stepped into comedic roles. I'm not actually sure what comes first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> Right. But, you know, I had a lot of, my dad had ALS when I was growing up and mm. he, you know, was in a wheelchair and like, it was always awkward. And I feel like that was definitely an escape for me comedically mm. and also using laughter to make sure adults knew that I was okay was kind of oh, a interesting. something that happened. So mm. it was like a what's it called coping mechanism i would say right yeah yeah i always really loved comedy and that's something Mm -hmm. i'm still excited about today
1: yeah so when you perform now do you find that it's still kind of a coping mechanism or have you found other gears that you maybe lean more on nowadays
0: yeah now i see it more as you know just what i do and Mm -hmm. my professional pursuit but certainly everyone in comedy i i think finds it cathartic and Mm -hmm. In the arts, using it for therapeutic purposes can be a gray area. So, you know, it's okay if it's therapeutic as long as it's not your therapy, that makes sense.
1: Yes, it makes complete sense. And there have been other people on the podcast who've said it's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Actually get professional help if you need therapy. A lot of people like to use improv as their place of therapy, but it's therapeutic. It is a tool for making your life feel a little more happy. Yes, absolutely. And freeing and finding yourself. Yes. How did the character work come about for you? Like for some reason I am guessing that character work became came into the fold before stand-up. What did come first?
0: Yeah, I think because I started in theater, like performing different characters was just a natural part of being on stage. You could experiment and there's wigs and there's different genres and all these kind of fun things. Whereas, you know, kids I guess can do stand-up, but it's less traditional because you have to write your own material and stuff. So, yeah, stand-up came a little bit later when I realized I had funny things to say as myself, more or Mm -hmm. less. So, yeah, when I graduated, I started doing stand-up.
1: Oh, cool. How did that process go for you? Uh,
0: I started doing open mics in Los Angeles and Mm -hmm. took it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Doing shows, just kind of, you have to like write and show up as much as possible. There's a really cool community in Los Angeles called Pretty Funny Women. A lot of female comedians hooking in with that group and just seeing where it took me.
1: That's awesome. I've heard people say that it can be kind of rough to start doing stand-up in L.A. because of the industry, is there is that something that you were able to circumvent with that community that you had or was it still kind of rough starting out? i
0: just always started doing it so i don't know i never started anywhere else i think mm-hmm. probably starting in a smaller community is easier with anything in the business but mm-hmm. you know you make it work with where you are and there's pros and cons there's lots of good indie shows in la
1: mm-hmm. lots of
0: smaller scenes to get involved in but yeah certainly like the bigger clubs i think it's definitely competitive and right there's political aspects of who gets the spots but if you're willing to keep going and start in your indie circles I think you know there's a there's a place for everyone
1: yeah and there are a couple of comedy stores out there that you've performed at and also the Laugh Factory how long did it take you to break in there
0: um that's no question I probably didn't perform at a bigger club for a few years so I think after mm-hmm. a few years you start Getting a little bit noticed. Yeah, I don't do those clubs all the time, but when I do, it's it's a really good time.
1: That's awesome. So when you graduated, you stayed in L.A. You didn't move out anywhere.
0: Correct. I've always been in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Where did you do any other training or, or comedy performance out there?
0: I've trained at Groundlings and UCB, mm-hmm. Actors Comedy Studio, Annie Grinley Studios, John Rosenfeld Studios, lots of good acting communities. Yeah. yeah. All the all the big L.A. places. That right. probably done it.
1: Yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that you hit up Groundlings because I mentioned you're so great with characters and that's such a character based place. When it comes to doing characters for comedy, what sort of approach do you have?
0: I think starting with what you find the funniest about your day to day life. So things that you're mm-hmm. really, really comfortable talking about, things that you could rant about on and on you know if you come from an honest place and so coming from what's instantly relatable also impersonating people close to you in your life mm. you imitate really well obviously in good taste and you know either going so close to who you are or so far so it's like in comedy it's like what's very very relatable or what's so outlandish that you can't even stand it it just makes you laugh so I think characters close to home fit best for me as opposed to the really outlandish ones but it's all fun it's all part of it
1: it sounds like you are observing a lot in order to do that like you have to in order to do that well what you're talking about you have to observe your friends and the people close to you and and to really get in their heads or or really take time to take stock of what's happened in your day and why it affected you the way it affected you in order for you to be able to then rant about it and, and the character. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So, what other skills are there, like soft skills like that, in order for someone to do that well?
0: I honestly don't really know.
1: It's come, I bet, because you've started at such a young age, uh, I bet it's pretty second nature at this point.
0: Yeah, I guess if I were giving advice to someone, I would say, you know, write everything down, have a journal Mm -hmm. or a notes app on your phone, write things down that are funny when you say something to other people and it makes them laugh, write it down. Mm -hmm. So just start keeping track of what's funny and it'll help you hone in on your comedic voice and then certainly getting involved in classes where you can meet other funny people and be Mm -hmm. creative and jive and see what's funny to them there's really good classes on Zoom now. Actors Comedy Studio is a place that I took in person in Los Angeles for many years. And now everything is available on Zoom. So that's a class I'd really recommend to break down comedic structure in film and television specifically and also developing characters and things like Groundlings and UCB online now. Those are two prominent improv schools in Los Angeles. I mean, I think in person is definitely more fun, but that Mm -hmm. said... Mm -hmm. These places have pivoted. They've figured it out. And especially if you're not in a city that has improv, why not study with the best of the best, even if it is online? So there's definitely cool yeah. ways to be involved these days.
1: Yeah, it's such a special, unique thing now. It's like come from this horrible pandemic, this this ability now to train somewhere that is in a town you didn't live in. I mean, part right. of the reason I started this podcast is was because I was in South Carolina. And mm-hmm. didn't have access to people to to tap their brain and, and knowledge of comedy, and right. because I wasn't around them at the club all the time.
0: Yeah, what inspired you to start your podcast?
1: Well, I really, I was, you know, I, I'd listened to a couple podcasts, and I had been doing comedy for, I'd been doing stand up for seven years and improv for three, and. One of the things, whenever people came into town, especially improvisers, I liked talking to them about their approach, because I'd be really inspired by what they were talking about. And we'd just be at the bar after the festival show or whatever. And I would go, man, I really wish I could talk to these people more, more of these people who are out there. And I thought, well, why don't I start a podcast where I interview them? Because I can, it's, you know, when you're doing a festival, you're meeting people, but you know, with with Facebook and things like that, you're also able to learn more about other people through just connection, mutual connections. And so I was just discovering people and and at festivals and seeing people and wanted to be able to talk to them more than just for the brief moments after they're set.
0: Right. Well, that's smart. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, and that's cool that you've been involved in stand-up. In improv, and so you get it, and talking mm-hmm. to people it, it is really interesting to hear people's backstories.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mentioned you've been in some TV, so when and movies, when did you start pursuing professionally acting? Was that something that started before you graduated college or, or after?
0: I would say basically when I graduated, because mm-hmm. then I had the most time to. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. do it and figuring it out as an adult. So yeah, you know, I'd done some things in San Francisco, like here and there when I was non-union and just kind of figuring it out over the years. But then once I graduated, I was like, okay, let's officially start this process.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've been on Grownish, you've been on Barry, to name a couple of things. What was that experience like being in some major projects like that?
0: Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a, you know, it's really rewarding when yeah. something does come to fruition that you've been working for for so hard, you know, you audition for so many projects and most of the time you don't hear back and at all, not even rejected. You just hear right. things. So when you do hear, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. There, it was a really great opportunity where Bill Hader directed the episode. So getting to work with him in that capacity was really incredible because he's someone that I admire. Yeah. Uh, Worked on a show called Schooled, which is the Goldberg spinoff. And that oh, was a lot of yeah. really fun and funny people. And uh, I do commercials as well. And every project is so different. You never know what you're right. going to expect, but it's, always, it's yeah. always fun.
1: They're all run differently. I've heard good things about how Bill Hader runs things because he started out as a PA. And so he knows what it's like to be crew and how difficult that can be. And he said somewhere he said he would just hate to give someone a 12 hour day just because he can't make a decision because he's been in that position where the director just couldn't make a decision and kept everyone around for 12 to 20 hours or something ridiculous like that. And he didn't want to do that, but also him being such a good character performer himself, I'm curious how he directed you and your role on, on Barry was the, the, what kind of insight were you able to pick up from him working with him in that episode?
0: He's just, yeah, he's really cool, and he's open to ideas, but, you know, it was a small role, so it wasn't tons of time connecting, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure he did watch the tapes and chose us for a reason, so we got to improv a little bit. I don't, you know, most of it wasn't used, but the fact that we got to improv in front of a hater is a cool opportunity, so, you know, he, yeah, he takes what he does seriously, that's why he's successful, and he's also Mm -hmm. funny, and he's a genuinely really nice guy, so I wish him all the best. I don't even know if he would remember, I mean if I said, hey, I was on Barry, he'd probably be like, oh, OK, For sure. You'd be like, OK, but no, I thought he was just fantastic. And hey, hope to work with him again sometime.
1: Yeah, I do as well. I hope you work with him again. And I hope <laughs> oh, I work for, you. with him once.
0: I hope <laughs> you work with him. Let's all work with Bill.
1: Let's all work with Bill. Later. You've done commercial work as well. You've got a few spots that are did they come out for the Wayfair with Kelly Clarkson spots? Are they out now?
0: Yes, yes. Those have been running for several months. They'll probably be over soon, but yes, those mm-hmm. have been running maybe like four or five months, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. There's a free spot, so that's with Kelly Clarkson for Wayfair. She was fantastic, and I love getting to do fun, funny commercials like that, and yeah, nothing but good things to say. I'm sitting in a personal sauna, so you just see my head popping mm-hmm. out of this weird <laughs> contraption, which was funny, and The day we shot actually was over 100 degrees in Los Angeles. It was a peculiar day. It's not usually that hot, but it just was. And so ironically, it was cooler sitting in the personal sauna than it was outside.
1: (laughs) That is ironic. I haven't been on a lot of TV or film sets, but there's such a different vibe doing commercials, which I've done a good bit of, than doing other sort of acting roles. In commercials, sometimes... It's harder to feel like, not like I'm not acting, but like it's more just like a mechanical part of something as opposed to performing a role. Whereas when you're working in other sort of acting roles, you're able to feel a little more like a person in this world. Do you find that when you're doing commercials? And if so, how do you get yourself there so that you can still perform on the level that you're used to and like to work on?
0: I think I just i I know what to expect for commercials now, so I guess I wouldn't mm-hmm. really match it another way, but I think that the commercials I do since they're more comedic, it is more of a role, whereas I do mm-hmm. see there are commercials where it's more like based on your look or something like that, right, yeah. which, Hey, I think is really cool too. If you have a look <laughs> that's booking, you work, that's, that's fantastic Good
1: for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it could be like an attractive look, a comedic look, a unique look, et cetera. I think mine are more comedic based, so it is more role-based mm-hmm. for me. So I kind of approach it the same way, but I do see what you mean. It is, it can be more mechanical and technical. So I think just being really familiar with the material so that it's not you're not getting thrown if they're like, okay, on this part, lift up your arm and do this and move around. Like, you know, sometimes technical okay. things and vitality can be really challenging, but if you're very familiar with the material that helps, and then also being loose and being open to improv, I usually have a few ideas in mind for comedic buttons and improv moments, but then it's also fun in the moment to see what you discover. What has your experience been like in commercials? Do you have a favorite commercial that stands out to you?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, I guess I kind of have a couple of answers to that. Like one, probably the most major just because of the production level commercial that I've been in was for WhatsApp, which I haven't even seen before, but I've seen that director's work and she's brilliant. So I know that it looks amazing. Awesome. Um, And I got to improv, but it wasn't really about what we were saying. So it was a very sort of like. I'm just there, you know, like, the, <laughs> yeah. and so, and, and there wasn't like a purpose necessarily other than the mechanics of it. it was a very, like, hit these marks as opposed to hit these beats and hitting these beats feels when I can do that, I feel more like I can act and stuff. Uh
0: huh.
1: And there was a commercial I did for in South Carolina for a gas station where I had a really fun time on that set because I could just goof around and do whatever I want. <laughs> And I've had another commercial for Lenovo that was like that, where I could really just let loose and and had a lot of fun on that set and was making them laugh, like the people who wrote it, and they were cracking up. So that was a lot of fun to do. Of course, it like comes out, they leave a lot on the cutting room floor, but those experiences were great and for a completely different reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But I do sometimes feel like, oh, I need more. Maybe I'm just more of a live performer or something. I just feel like I need, I want to really be able to feel the world. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really doing that. That's that's really what I want to be able to, to do. And sometimes when it's like, all right, 10 seconds, go. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, okay.
0: Uh, well, that's cool to know about yourself too. I mean, live mm-hmm. performance is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's so many reasons getting to connect with people in real time, but also sometimes right. there's more room to play. Like a, a, a lot of shows are, you know, at least an hour i mean with stand-up often you get much less time but even if it's like seven minutes you know you're it's seven minutes and it's yours and you're a part of this hour-long experience whereas yes yeah, sometimes a commercial you could shoot really quickly i'm sure you've noticed the set times can really vary i've been on set the entire day for 12 hours mm-hmm. i've also been on a commercial set where i was there for an hour or two and then wrap yeah. and <laughs> yeah. You know, on the one hand, hey, you got paid basically the same for a little work and that's incredible. Right. But sometimes you're like, wait, I cleared my whole day. I I want to hang yeah, like I've been wrapped before crafty before lunch. And I'm like, Can I wait for lunch? Like, I know, no, yeah. And then you're out. So I think something in the middle is best. I'd rather be there longer than yeah that. But yeah. It's, it's
1: super just- cool to be on sets and like especially that that like WhatsApp commercial I did. It was such a massive set and this really cool house. Like, What
0: city was that filming in?
1: It was in Brooklyn. And I it was like a neighborhood that looks like middle America neighborhood. And I didn't know that it was here in Brooklyn. And it's Mm -hmm. 10 minutes from my apartment. And I was like, what? This is 10 minutes from my apartment. And there were just a million people on set. And I was like, this is a huge operation. This is the biggest operation I've seen. And I was an extra in a Kevin Bacon movie. Like, how is this, how does this feel like a bigger thing? <laughs> but it did. It was, What's it your was cool.
0: role. What was your character?
1: In the commercial, I was, it was something about their encrypting thing. And so it was just like, I'm talking to somebody and I look over and at, like, look at the camera and like sort of close the door to be like, hey, our conversation is private. That was the idea of it. But like we were improvising with each other, but you don't hear our dialogue. So we just it had to be all about vibe. <laughs> and that's so that's vibe. And then also the mechanics, because the camera's like pushing in and pulling out. And I have to like lean and close the door. And I accidentally in the last take broke the door.
0: <laughs> you did? Wait, you have to tell us that story. How did this what? door break? I must know.
1: I had been closing it one way and that was fine, but they were doing a certain kind of angle. And for the previous takes, a crew person was really doing a lot of the heavy lifting so that I could actually reach the door from where I was standing. Mm-hmm. But in the last take, they were like, that crew guy can't, his arm would show because of the way the angle is. So I just had to like reach and pull. And when I first tried it, they were like, oh, you have to pull it really hard <laughs> and fast. And I was like, okay and like the, it's not a real door it's a, it's a fake
0: mm. facade
1: that they put up in this room like because like right. nothing w- walls aren't real doors aren't real a lot of times and stuff so i had to p- just pull it really hard and it like came off, came apart somehow in one section <laughs> so they're like all right let's not don't worry, don't worry about it we did they did like fix it and we didn't do like another take of it so i guess they just use what they had <laughs> but right. i felt so bad and they're like like I talked to the director later, and she was like, oh, it's fine. You were great. Like, don't even worry about it.
0: Hey, it's a good reminder that things can and will go wrong on sets and just be <laughs> flexible and open to it. But, no, that is so awkward when you feel like you made the mistake. Sure. But, hey, thanks for normalizing that for us.
1: Yes, I'm I'm doing my best <laughs> to normalize mistakes on sets. And no one was mean about it. And, like, that, that, that director is phenomenal and a wonderful person. I want to know how you break down a character, but before we get in because that sounds like a, a great way to create something together, I do want to talk before we get to that, though. You host a comedic talk show called Clever Now. Is that still going on?
0: No, no, no. That was years ago, but I did. Oh. Yeah. I, I found
1: have. out about it online and was like, oh, where, <laughs> where is it?
0: Love it. So yeah,
1: tell me about it. So it's a comedic talk show. What was that about?
0: I used to interview tween celebrities for this show. It was under Verizon's app called Go Ninety. So that was something I did for a year. And I I do still very much dabble in hosting worlds. So that thing that was kind of why like the Wayfair commercial is kind of like interviewing Kelly Clarkson. So yeah, hosting Mm -hmm. is fun. I love it. I love getting to bring out Someone's funny side, or their authentic side, or just making other people feel their best.
1: Yeah, and you were you were interviewing tweens.
0: Yeah, it was it was like a a younger folks show.
1: Uh huh. How did that work? Like, what was that overall like to like talk to these young stars?
0: It was great. Everyone had a really good attitude. They were often promoting something, a new song or a new film. But you know, everyone's really well trained and. The show was created to bring out their comedic side, so like we got to do really funny games and like fun pranks with them. So yeah, I have nothing but good things to say.
1: Awesome! Any big names that you got to talk to? Anyone from Stranger Things or something like that?
0: Oh, it was years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, let me think. Gabby Douglas was really cool. Oh, um, awesome! Normani Carday from Fifth Harmony.
1: Oh, dope.
0: Um, Hannah Hart. Kendall from Dance Mom, Brittany Furland from Vine, Joey King, who's very successful. Jay Sean. Yeah, time flies. There was there was a lot of cool people.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Nice, nice.
1: Is that does that live anywhere now that people can check out?
0: Uh you could see the there's clips on my website. If you go to com, you can see like the highlights. And I'm sure if you did a deep dive, there'd be more you could see. But if you Google like Chelsea Lloyd Clever now, that could show up, or on my website at com.
1: Awesome. Okay, cool. Do you have anything coming down the pike or you you have stuff that you're writing and trying to get made? I guess now is tough to write and get made.
0: Yeah, with the writer's strike. Well, next up, my next season of my Dying of Laughter podcast will come out. That's interviewing comedians with deceased parents and siblings. So if you're funny and if you've experienced loss, that is a fun thing to check out and always developing my stand-up to the next level. As for some of the big trips and projects, a little bit. TBD with the strike. For now, I'm going to plug Dying of Laughter. Mm-hmm. And you can check out the comedic videos I make on Instagram at Chels Who Else. That's C-H-E-L-S Who E-L-S-E Chels Who Else. Yeah, you found a lot of
1: ways to incorporate comedy into dealing with grief.
0: I try. I try. Thank yeah. you.
1: No, that's that's a good thing to do in the world. I actually just saw this Bono from U2 has this show that he's doing to promote his book that he wrote. Okay. I saw a taping of it yesterday. I went to a taping of it. And he was saying one of the things that when U2 started that they wanted to be useful somehow, not just like make songs, but they wanted to be useful in some way. And I feel like that's what you're doing to take what your gifts are and be useful to people who are are struggling with grief. And I commend you for that.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I try. It's not always a perfect system. Sometimes I'm more involved than others. But mm-hmm. in general, in my life, I make sure to show up in grief spaces. That's just something I'm really passionate about. I work in or I volunteer at kids grief camp. So I have that coming up. If you're ever interested in getting involved, the two programs I work with are called Camp Aaron and experience camps and those are grief camps for kids volunteer based all the adults are awesome you don't have to experience grief yourself but if you want to meet like the nicest funniest most interesting people on earth i think getting involved in a grief camp is ironically the way to do that experience camps are based across the u.s so there's something for everyone camp erin is out of los angeles where i'm here and i originally got inspired to do that by watching the hbo documentary called one last hug about thirty mm. minutes on HBO. It's incredibly inspiring. If you want to just cry and feel good about yourself at the same time, I recommend that documentary. Again, it's called One Last Hug.
1: Mm. Well, that's really lovely of you to do.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for doing that for people. Let's talk about how you create characters. Let's yeah. let's use that to create something. So you mentioned earlier that you you take notes when you make people laugh or you journal about things going on, things that you'd be willing to talk about. You're keeping in mind the people who are in your life, people you're around, so that you can kind of just do impressions of them. Uh, That sounds like those are the jumping off points for you when you're trying to come up with something. After you've jumped off and you're creating something, whether it's for Instagram or, or for a show, where do you go to really like break that open?
0: To break open my next character, I would probably get a few girls together on Zoom or in person and we spitball ideas. So I'd write like a rough, messy pitch of the character. And then you say it out loud to other people. You can do that in an open mic in your city or get a few friends together on Zoom. I'm a really big believer in workshopping things out awesome. loud. So we might each like go around for a little accountability Zoom. Maybe each person gets five or 10 minutes. We set a timer you pitch your jokes, you pitch your character, whatever that looks like. And then other people might weigh in and say something like, this was the funniest part so far. This was mm-hmm. the least funny. Instead of just saying yes or no, I think it's helpful to offer feedback and like, here's what's working best so far. Here's what needs the most work. And then you kind of massage it out from there.
1: Okay, cool. When you kind of run it at a, an open mic, how does that look? Are you actually doing the character or are you sort of saying like, like talking it out the way you would pitch it with people?
0: Yeah, well, if for if you're going to go to an open mic, that's funny. There's character open mics, or you can just use a regular stand-up open mic and just show up as the character. Mm. I mean, you can preface it or not be like, hey, guys, I'm about to hop into character mode. Or you could just go for it and then see at the end if people believe that that was truly you. Certainly that's a compliment if they did, especially if the character is very outlandish, but I have mm-hmm. seen that happen. So that, yeah, that would be a fun exercise. And if you don't have an open mic accessible, you could even try it in your daily life out of, hey, at a dinner party at the grocery store, like talk to your, you know, Trader Joe's clerk in a weird voice. See if they believe you. And then, <laughs> yeah, you could be like, hey, I'm trying something. What'd you think? I don't know. That That's like pretty bold, but I think it yeah. could work.
1: These are all really fun. When you mention like you get on a Zoom call and you pitch yeah. the idea, do you have it written out a certain way? Like, you know, I guess like a lot of people when they hear pitch, they might think of like the pitch meeting at SNL. Like, like people have right. heard enough about that where you say, oh, a guy who's doing this or, you know, a lady has this thing. Like, are you pitching like that or are you actually playing the character in those Zoom calls?
0: Yeah, I think like you that? could pitch it like that and be like, OK, here's my character. Here's the name. Here's where they're from. Here's their point of view. Always start with point of view. So if the character is extremely upset about something or extremely excited about something, that's a good place to begin as opposed to being kind of neutral. Well, they're kind of into this. They're kind of in this mood. Take out the word kind of. They're really into this. They're extremely passionate about this or they're disgusted by this. If the character already has a strong point of view, that's a really good place to begin. Ah,
1: very good. Yeah. It's really hard to play loose feelings like ambivalent. If it's a, you know, a a really intense ambivalence to things that can that can make it easier to play. But in general, that's very hard to play.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: I think it's just because it's hard to latch on to something. But if you're saying this person is passionate about goldfish, then they are going to be excited about anything that reminds them of goldfish and that. You can almost see it when you word it that way.
0: Right. Absolutely. Oh,
1: cool. Awesome. Okay. And what sort of pitfalls are there that people should be aware of when they try to approach character just so they don't fall in those pits or or shame spiral when something doesn't go as planned?
0: I would say start with what you know. You know, they always Mm -hmm. say write what you know. So start with a character that you feel, you know, really well, base it on you know, your mom, your best friend, your elementary school teacher, someone that you've spent a lot of time with and, you know, stay within your, uh, you know, stay with what you know and with who you are. So like, don't make fun of groups of other backgrounds. Like you can make fun of your groups. If you're a woman, you can make fun of women. Like if, if you know, if you're white, you can make fun of white people. I and mean, actually that's not true. I think everyone can make fun of white people. Let's all make fun of white people. But you know, just if you're not sure if something's appropriate, it may not be. So make mm-hmm. fun of groups that you are a part of, make fun of people that you know well, don't use their name. And if you're not sure about something, ask a friend. But in (laughs) general, just pick something you know really well and that your character can get really heated or really excited about. And I think that's a good starting point. And if you're still so curious about all of this, then I would say hop on over to Actors Comedy Studio or to Groundlings online and let your imagination run wild
1: awesome there it is chelsea thanks so much for being on the podcast
0: thank you jason you are awesome
1: oh my gosh chelsea you are awesome thank you so much for your time please everyone go to her website and check out her work chelsea who what a great name Check out her videos and other work like her Wayfair commercials, which are so good. Also, the new season of her podcast, Dying for Laughter, that's coming out. Follow her on Instagram at underscore Chels Who else underscore and on Twitter at Chels Who else. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at ThereItIsPod and subscribe to our YouTube channel at ThereItIs and follow me on Twitter at JasonFarJokes and Instagram at JasonFarPics. Also, subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other.
0: The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.